What about years. these um, about people who go around murdering? And they catch them, and they say he's mental, a maniac. And they let him off. Well, they you know, they put him in jail. Yeah. But I think they should be hung just the same as all the rest. Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. Steve Walsh there. Hiya. So we've put together what we're calling the Lambeth Trilogy. But it's a Lambeth Trilogy. It's three pieces that are linked by the common idea or setting or place of Lambeth. So we've got Me and My Girl, which is mostly set away from Lambeth, but obviously has Lambeth as a backdrop and the characters that are in it are from Lambeth. Yeah, 1937 musical, uh, made into a film a couple of years later, called The Lambeth Walk. Uh, the next thing we'll be talking about is Passport to Pimlico, one of the uh, great Ealing comedies. When you hear Ealing and you hear Pimlico, you think, how can they possibly be covering this? But it is... Uh, it's legit. It, it is, you'll, as you'll hear, it is legit. <laughs> and we'll be finished off with, uh, initially, We Are the Lambeth Boys, which was... Uh, Carl Reese documentary from 1958 about a youth club in Lambeth which had uh, a couple of sequels well a follow up we were the Lambeth boys in 1985 and then they did like a third part of it following a new group of young children in, from the same club um, in the mid 80s any time you're Lambeth way any evening any day you'll find us all doing the Lambeth walk Initially, the idea with this trilogy was uh, that we would have the three films, Passport to Pimlico, We Are the Lambeth Boys, and The Lambeth Walk, uh, which stars Lupino Lane. Uh, and the song, The Lambeth Walk, made our um, music, South London playlist from episode three. But The Lambeth Walk is not in any way available, is it? No, it's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, it's on them. If you Google it, um, you just sort of scrolling through pages of nothingness, and you might end up on a, a couple of message boards where people are after it. And it's one of those films. That the BFI have apparently got a list of, unless I'm thinking of something else. But they've got the BFI have got a list of like sort of the most prestigious, unattainable uh, films. You know, things that they would really love to get their hands on. I'm not sure if this was one of them, but certainly you can't get this anywhere. It was never released on video. Never released on DVD, obviously. It doesn't appear to have been on television in the last several decades either. Not at any point when anyone had a VHS recorder. Because the thing is, you know, the song itself is so iconic, isn't it? It's like globally, you know, you could you could hum that to someone in Australia. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there's two songs in it. I mean, yeah, the sun has got its hat on. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Hip 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 Hooray. Yeah. It's just remarkable that, you know, and obviously we haven't seen the films, so we can't sort of talk about its quality. But even if it's a terrible film, the fact that two songs that are as culturally significant and important as that came out of it, would you'd imagine someone at some point has gone, we've got to nail this down and get a decent... I mean, obviously... Yeah, I mean, you know, this is... Uh, the, you know, we've talked uh, before about um, the transient nature of um, theatre compared to film yeah. and the similar with other kind of art forms. So, you know, it's not saying that film is superior to theatre, although I obviously believe it is. But in this case, I mean, Lupino Lane was quite a big name, wasn't yeah, it? I mean, this is yeah. not this is not a terrible film that's been thrown away. I mean, this seems to be 
something of at least uh, decent quality. And also, what is the point of uh, recording these things on film if you're then going to lose it and destroy it? And, you know, obviously, the BBC archive has been talked about in the past, you know, where they basically ran out of space. But, you know, I'm guessing... I mean, taping over Doctor Who, fair enough. <laughs> but, like, wasn't it... You, you listened it... under hobbies, didn't you? I mean, that's... Uh... <laughs> but, like, Dylan's first ever be, uh, British television performance was wiped, wasn't it? Yeah. Foolish. Well, they had, sure they had uh, Jim Davis's doing the Generation game, so, you know, <laughs> needs must. Yeah, so we couldn't find um, the film. It's been uh, sort of presented on the London stage. Oh, it's been times. presented all over the place, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. go on, uh, I'm sure you'll give us the details of the London stage, Steve, because I've just interrupted you in the middle of doing it. <laughs> if you go on YouTube, maybe we'll make a little compilation, Steve, for people of uh, maybe most of the musical numbers and bits and bobs. From different productions. Maybe we could cut together our own version. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Because there's like, there's quite a prestigious Moon Theatre troupe, um, I say prestigious, I mean prominent, on YouTube. And that's, um, I think, either Korean or Japanese. Yeah. And it's all the songs, in it, you know, the son's got his hat on, is in Japanese. Yeah. Um, or Korean. Or Chinese. Or Vietnamese. And yeah, there's stuff from Broadway on there. There's American high school productions. And I, just, I ended up watching Bits and Bobs uh, because basically we were trying to uh, read the play and see the bits and pieces and try and piece together. Uh... We've tried to watch it as best we can with what's available to us. But I like the idea of us, because um, you've got the play scripts, we can basically clip together as many bits as make sense and then just fill out the other bits with like, you know, Robocop or whatever, just like bits from other films just that might fit in. Be nice. Passwords of Pimlico, maybe. Nah, definitely not. It's black and white. Yeah, you managed to track down a copy of uh, the script. I did, yes. It's um, book and lyrics by L. Arthur Rose and Douglas Ferber. Music by Noel Gay. Book revised by Stephen Fry. So the, yeah, that was in the eighties. So it? he's like in sort of in charge of the that current production. Is that the idea? I think, uh, I th- yeah, with sort of script revised, I was like, what would you change? Because it's not like you're going to put in references to Walkmans and Madonna. You know I mean, you're not going to uh, sort of contemporise it in that way. Yeah, well, I guess it's just sort of um, probably happens with any. I mean, if someone does Shakespeare, they kind of, you know, they might not. They probably wouldn't. I was going to say, famously, don't change the language. No, <laughs> not, yeah, no, I don't think it's so much mean the language. They're going for this guy. This is nonsense. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> but like, no, whatever. I mean, if you, uh, it's like adapting thing, adapting anything. I suppose you would just, just kind of might chop bits a little bit. I don't. I just sort of think if it's something like that, surely. The sort of the maybe tone and, and stuff. Maybe I don't. I don't know how much he's. How much no, it'd be interesting to sort of stuff. find out what the difference was to find the other trips and compare. But um, yeah, it just it, it didn't seem particularly let's say modernised. It doesn't say modernised. It is revised. So I think a good rule of thumb when reading what I found when reading the script for this, and I think a good rule of thumb for reading the script for any musical comedy. Skip the songs in it. You know, re- read over them, but you don't need to read them properly. What I was it's doing a lot of repetition. Is I was reading the uh, action and dialogue, oh, yeah, and then when it got to the um, the music, I would go and put something on from YouTube. Okay. You know, oh, the US, uh, some US high school in 1996. Their production was particularly uh, good, one, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Okay. And uh, oh, there's Robert Lindsay. That's uh, one of the big ones. Of you know, Broadway. what we need isn't it? Wes Anderson to have a scene in one of his films mm. where one of his precocious child characters is doing a production for me and my girl. That'll look great. 
while we're on the subject of films, um, obviously the Lupino Lens you mentioned in the film version. Buried in Strum. Who? Lupino Lupino Lane. Lane. Oh, right. Yeah, did you know? Mm. Yeah. So another, you know, unfortunate sad He was on the, in the original stage version as well, wasn't he? That's like right, yeah. 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 It is a tale as old as time, isn't it? It's got all your classic sort of comedy tropes, fish out of water and, you know, unexpected benefactor mm-hmm. and, you know, you need to change to earn this reward. Yeah. Maybe we need to change. Yeah, this. maybe the whole world should do the Lambeth Walk. <laughs> yeah, it's about... Um, a guy called Bill who uh, suddenly becomes the heir to this fortune um, and there are a couple of schemers and some uh, you know posh people that don't really want him to have the money yeah he's he from Lambeth but he, gets, Lambeth. he gets taken to this rich country hall and uh, as he explains to him all this will be his but he has to prove himself worthy and that means yeah. you know sharpening up on the old accent don't, if you want to say aunt, say aunt, don't say Harry Grant. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a My Fair Lady type thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Pygmalion. Yeah, yeah. Is that the right pronunciation? Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? I had a problem uh, in that I only read half of it. Yeah, I did as well. Yeah. Because well, no, but, but mine wasn't. It wasn't me sort of going. I am sick of this. No, me neither. I yet. read. I read. I, I was like, that was a short play. Yeah, pages. Because the thing is, from the story we tell, uh, you know, Bill finds out about this. Bill goes to the hall. Sadly, comes along. There's people at the hall that want him apart and want Bill to change. And, and I thought the final scene was the scene at the hall with the ball, and everyone's sort of like explaining to Bill how he's changed. Bill's accepting this. Then Sally turns up with a pearly king and queen yeah. and loads of uh, costermongers from Lambeth. And Bill teaches all the rich people how to do the Lambeth walk. And you're like, it's a very simple place, a very simple message. Once these rich people realise that doing the Lambeth walk is the key to happiness and it's not jewellery, then uh, the world would be a better place. But um, as it turns out, the place continues because it takes that. more than one song to convince these people that you know love conquers all. Yeah, they throughout the play, they cannot stress enough how bad Lambeth and everybody from it is. <laughs> well, this is the thing. It's the interesting where, you know, for the sake of the play, obviously you have to pick. He has to come from like the polar opposite. This is mm. the best place in the world, the richest place, the cleanest place. The you know these people are the most intelligent. Uh, you know the best people. So he has to come from the worst place, Lambeth. Mm. Can you imagine? The gags are essentially puns. Which mm. I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> I, as a read, I really enjoyed it, but it's the sort of humour that I do enjoy. It is, it is essentially musical, isn't it? It's musical. Yeah. It's you know the Marx Brothers. Probably it's why they cast Lapino Lane, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And the songs, I mean, as I say, when, when you're reading them on the page, you skip through them. But as songs, the Lambeth Walk and the Sun's Got His Hat On are uh, remarkable. Aren't you? you know, as, as pop songs, as popular. Sing along hits. Yeah, I mean, you put Lambeth Walk into uh, YouTube, and there's just so much stuff of Nazis doing <laughs> the music and with Nazis walking around. But was, yeah. was it a popular bit of footage at the time? I yeah, you'd imagine it would have been. It seems like it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I say I, I picked Lambeth Walk for our playlist just because I think it is remarkable that a song that sort of culturally pervasive is sort of based around, uh, and everyone didn't know the sort of context of it mm. in terms of uh, the play 
And one thing we'll have to put up, Steve, is uh, the fat kid in the American high school doing the family solicitor. Just doing this <laughs> ridiculously extravagant soprano. <laughs> Next up is one of my favourite British films, a film we went to see at uh, the Stratford Pitch House recently, Steve, presented in glorious 3x4. <laughs> the original negatives were lost in a fire, I don't know if you know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Passport to Pimlico. Brilliant. Yeah. It is fantastic. The Lambeth Link is uh, a very strong one. I mean, it's all filmed there. Apart from the stuff that was shot on sets, um, which is, you know, some of it. It's all round the corner from the Lambeth Walk. You know, you've got Hercules Road, which is uh, the setting for this corner of Pimlico that becomes Burgundy. Before we outline the plot, I would say, if you haven't seen it, get straight on it. You know, it's from 1949, so if you illegally download it, I think it's fine, isn't it? It might even public domain. Is it on YouTube? Probably. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the thing is, as a rule of thumb, any Ealing comedy is worth your while, isn't it? You know, there's, there's, n- I can't think of any bad ones. Um, yeah, there were, there have been a handful I didn't enjoy. I didn't particularly okay. enjoy the Tipfield Thunderbolt, or that's kind of highly oh, rated. Yeah. You seen the man in the white suit? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Kind Hearts and Coronets is brilliant. Kind Hearts and Coronets for a long time was my favourite film ever, yeah. and it's still probably yeah. in my top five. This great. Lava the Hill, more brilliant. Probably come back to that at some stage. We will be covering that at some point. Hue and Cry is quite good, isn't it? Yeah. The plot revolves around um, the discovery in Pimlico of what appears, first of all, to just be some treasure. Basically, some kids are rolling a tire uh, down the road, and it falls down a hole where there's an unexploded bomb. Because uh, it's set just after the war, and uh, when someone goes down to sort of investigate what's happened uh, after the, the bomb is detonated, it reveals uh, a little storeroom with various pieces of art and bits of uh, you know, antiques and whatnot. But most importantly, a declaration that the area they're found in uh, in Pimlico still is still part of. The ancient kingdom of Burgundy. Burgundian. They become Burgundians. And um, yeah, it's an interesting thing where it's at a time, obviously, of of rationing. It's at a time when, you know, people and the government weren't necessarily an eye to eye on where uh, resources should be deployed. And Mm. there's a local councillor who has various plans for a park in the area. Yes, it's Stanley Holloway's character, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. who's who's wonderful. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? Who wants to uh, build a children's children's park initially, and they don't have any money? Yeah. And then later on, when they've you know got the, as well as having the uh, declaration that this is part of Burgundy, they also there's a load of money, and he wants to spend yeah. it on building a park for the children. Rationing is um, very much uh, present in the film. Yeah. Um, you know, as people will know, rationing was sort of even more strict after the war had finished, and this is uh, it was May. It came out in 1949. But I think it was written in the summer of 1947. I mean, it's it's extremely hot in the film. Yeah. And it's kind of... That 90, summer of 1947 was very hot. When okay. they filmed it in the summer of 1948, it was like torrential rain. <laughs> Being part of Burgundy, they don't have to uh, be involved with rationing. And obviously people's uh, greed kicks in. Well, they, they fall out with the government about the fate of the treasure and 
their own fate as people. So they declare themselves to be Burgundian and they declare their the area around them to be independent from uh, the United Kingdom, not uh, you know subject to its laws. And at first it's seen as a sort of idyllic uh, anarchist declaration of freedom. But pretty soon uh, they're descended on by black marketeers and... Spivs. Essentially, yeah. And obviously uh, the police and the authorities won't help and they can't police themselves. They um, tunnel down to the underground and uh, intercept tube trains. Yeah. Which are passing line. through... Uh, District lines of Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they ask, they set, basically set up customs in the tunnel and ask if people have anything to declare as they pass through uh, Burgundy. And it all sort of builds to a point where they're, they're cut off and uh, it looks like um, they're going to be starved out by the government. But then people... Well, and that's what rationing kicks back in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it becomes uh, necessary to start rationing things again. But even with that, they're going to run out. But then the people of London around them admire their stance so much, they descend onto the borders of Burgundy and throw food over to allow them to... Uh, continue with their stance. Yeah, it's a great scene and all the kind of bread and packages just flying over this, uh, yeah. over the fences towards uh, the Pimlicans. There's a great line as well. Uh, it might be Margaret Rutherford who says it. Uh, but it's, I'll, I'll paraphrase, but it's something like, uh, um, you know, it's it, it, they're proving themselves uh, to be truly British with the determination to be Burgundians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of that in there about uh, the idea of being British, and uh, there's you know there's a, a line so someone shouts it out of a window, you know, the uh, Luftwaffe couldn't drive me out during the Blitz, you know, you're not going to drive me out. Yeah. Now. For it's, me personally, the thing I found interesting from our point of view as a show is uh, you've got obviously a very strong theme uh, in this film, part of the nation's capital. Sort of separating itself and becoming a separate microstate. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. so it taps in exactly, not exactly, but heavily into what we mm. we sort of talk about with the idea of South London hardcore. The idea of, you know, let's let's break break this place down and have a look at different areas. What someone once said to me, Steve, I think it was Seamus, our friend, that he'd never met anyone with such a well-developed sense of their own human rights as me. <laughs> Which I don't agree with. <laughs> it's a great quote, though. Isn't it? It's good, yeah. But there's a lot of that in there. These, uh, you know, they um, what they're entitled to and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, it's, it is an interesting thing. I mean, you know, the film initially looks at the sort of t- the idea of the tyranny of government and mm. you know uh, things being imposed from above. And if we, you know, and it's an interesting, you know. It's not a propaganda film, not designed as a propaganda film, it is entertainment. But the points that are made in the film would be useful to the government at the time. You would have people resenting, uh, you know, rationing in particular. But there were a lot of restrictions, you know, with petrol restrictions, people couldn't travel and whatnot. And, you know, um, it would have been, you know, useful for them to see this film and, you know, sort of realise, you know, the, the message that comes out of it at the end is we're stronger together. We're stronger as. Uh, a nation as a city when we work together particularly in these trying times I don't know if we've stressed enough Steve it's very very funny 
Yeah, this is the thing we're talking about. Sort of, yeah, it echoes uh, <laughs> these themes and yeah. this rationing, but it's also uh, it's also got Charles Hawtrey in it. So yeah. uh, immediately you realise uh, it's not a hard hitting uh, documentary. That scene at the beginning where the kids are run, rolling down this, that big tire down the street. We were saying um, the other day about um, the optimists of Nine Elms, yeah. which I don't know if that episode is going to come before or after this episode. Cross reference. Cross reference, isn't it? yeah. Um, that it taps into that very 70s thing of uh, kid parents not having any idea where their kids were. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the kind of, uh, you know, this kind of post-war thing of kids just playing on building sites. Yeah. Bomb sites, Bomb I sites, say, yeah. yeah. But yeah, this scene where they roll this um, big wheel down the street and it just goes into the uh, into the manhole where the uh, unexploded bomb is. is uh, it's great. But what's even better is what follows when you know all the kids are kind of shirking responsibility, when it turns out that this has uncovered the treasure, like the parents have persuaded their kids one by one, like you know you better own up, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then caught, they're all just going, "I did it." It was all me. Yeah, there's another interesting thing, and it is it's something that really comes out of films, you know, from this period and and much later as well. You know, you do forget people talk about this as a golden age of childhood and what, like, oh, you could play out, kids could go out on the street, you could go anywhere, you don't have to worry about, and you did, uh, mm. but also. Uh, the, the the joy, the ecstasy that these children are extracting from rolling a, a you know a wheel down the street just shows you how desperate they were to do anything in it. Hmm. Like this rolls, thank God. I thought we were going to have to stand around here for four hours <laughs> kicking a pebble against a wall. This rolls. Let's blow something up. We had we took a little trip down there. Uh, there's nothing I enjoy more, Steve, than going to a filming location, um, and it's all looks. A lot, well, not all of it, but a lot of it looks as it did in the film. It's recognisable. You mm. can you can spot you can spot various points where there's correspondence. Yeah, I mean the the railway bridge is the main thing, isn't yeah, it? I yeah. mean it's a really great uh, looking location on the it's, film. It's a really and it's the, the sort of the openness of it. You yeah, can imagine... a block of flats has sprung up yeah, where um, yeah. the bomb site was, which kind of spoils. Not you know it kind of spoils it as a film location almost mm. as well, um, but it kind of that's what the main difference. They couldn't keep a bombsite there forever, though, just for the sake of uh, this <laughs> bombsite. Is, is Put a blue class on it. Yeah. Just every day, they just hire six urchins to reenact someone rolling uh, a wheel down the road. You can see in the film as well, the thing that sort of absolutely places it in Lambeth is uh, behind the railway bridge, you can see the top of one of the towers of the Houses of Parliament. Um and that's not you know you're walking around you can you know you can find exactly the angles yeah they would have filmed things from from where that is so yeah it's obviously is in Lambeth it's called Passport to Pimlico and I presume the reasons are alliterative yeah yeah I would guess I also I would assume or I'd guess that Pimlico being close to Parliament you know, would have... Yeah, but I've just said, Steve, that Lambeth is close to Parliament. But it? you've got the river separating it. That's true. Do you know what I mean? This whole thing of, like... The, oh, I guess, yeah. Neighbouring... It's, so, it's literally next yeah. door, isn't it? So, I mean, yeah, it's adjacent yeah. to it, suddenly... Yeah. Sort of, but also, uh, you know, the alliteration is strong. There's a nice nod to Lambeth, though, later on, where they... Uh, there's a shot of uh, all the gifts they've received, like the hampers or whatever, from different parts of London to show support to Pimlico, Stroke Burgundy, and it kind of pans past a, a little basket that says Lambeth on it one of them says two in I think and then another one says Ealing so Ealing is the kind of <laughs> nod that you would notice yeah yeah but Lambeth is like a kind of second nod that only insiders you know Southland hardcore types would recognise 
Yeah, wandering around as well, we um, came across uh, Pimlico Plumbers. Yeah. Who were based in Lambeth. Yeah, that was a funny one, wasn't it? And the only thing we could assume yeah, is that... Yeah, it's got to be named after the film, isn't it? Yeah, but they're plumbers, and there's not a huge... No, there's not. Well, there's, there's no links, is there? There is a bit where uh, there's some hose-related activity uh, yeah. in the film. But, I mean, tenuous, isn't it? Don't, definitely don't base your business around it. And the Union Flag pub, Steve, um, as it was in the uh, film, is now the Corner Cafe, if anyone's wandering around trying to find the pub. You know, I presume people listen to this show and then just go straight out and do activities linked they've, to it. They've, just, they've got the, um, the earphones on and they're, just, they're on a bus now. Hercules Road itself has uh, an older link to the world of entertainment. Um, the road itself gets its name from Hercules Hall, which is a, a large house built there. Was Jim um, Hall's great-grandfather? It's no, no relation to Jim Hall, unfortunately. Uh, it was the home of Philip Astley, who, and no relation to Rick Astley. <laughs> I, I can just pre-empt you. You're a little dingy right there. You're like, uh, <laughs> I've got time for this as well. Um, yeah, Philip Astley, who is seen as the father of the modern circus. Oh. Yeah, he um, had his circus in a field in Waterloo. So, South London Connections. Um, and Philip Astley himself, as well as being uh, the leader of the circus, uh, his act was based around horse riding. And the realisation he came to while performing in his circus was that when you're doing horse-related uh, tricks, it's easier, obviously, to, to get up speed and whatnot, to have the horse run in a circle. Obviously. Obviously. But before that, um, this never really occurred to anyone. So he, his was the first circus to perform in the round. He so invented the circus wow. ring. The circus ring was invented in South London. It's not bad, no, is it? That's not bad, man. No. And we've made some discoveries recently relating to South London, like who knew Robert Pattinson was from South London? <laughs> well, that's a big one, isn't it? That's huge. Um, and for a long time as well, uh, Hercules Road was home to William Blake, and there's still evidence of that on the road today. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get back to Blake at some point. We'll, we'll mention at some point, I'm sure. A summer evening at the club. This is how things usually warm up. With a chat and a giggle for the girls and a bit of cricket in the nets for the boys. It's something to do in company. Finally, we come to Ford Presents Look at Britain, part two. We are the Lambeth Boys, which is uh, quite a famous documentary, which I know those two words uh, is almost contradictory, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the BFI keep. We are the Lambeth Boys on permanent records. It's uh, yeah. available in the, the MediaTek. They have the rights to release it on DVD. So, you know, it will turn up in various places. Uh, we Are the Lambeth Boys is a 1958 documentary by Carol Rice, who went on to make the uh, brilliant Saturday Night, Sunday Morning with uh, Albert Finney. And it's about a group of teenagers, Britain's first teenagers, essentially, as uh, Melvin Bragg would later say at a youth club called Orford House. So yeah, real kind of key film in the uh, free cinema movement, the kind of British new wave of the uh, early 60s that didn't seem to last very long. You know, Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, that's the real highlight, I think. You seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Certainly in my top 20 films of all time. Oh, really? Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Alan Silito, was it? Bang. Steve yeah. knows. Okay. He's, work, book. he's yeah. working in a bookshop, don't count. <laughs> seen it on Phoenix. <laughs> Me and Lakeisha went to the media tech and we were just sort of browsing through. Remember the first thing we watched was uh, the final tram journey in London that ended at Elephant Castle. 
Although you later said it ended at Newcross, so who knows? <laughs> also, some footage on Blackfriars Bridge from like a hundred years ago. That's like one of the oldest bits of sort of footage of London that there is. But yeah, we ended up watching uh, We Are the Lambeth Boys, and halfway through it, realised that uh, there's a couple of lines that Morrissey samples. You know, uh, one of them died in the copper's arms. You know, from uh, Spring Hill Gym. You know, <laughs> and they catch him. And they say he's mental, <laughs> which is really haunting, isn't it? Yeah. When they use it in the, uh, it looks a queer in the in Spring Hill Gym, <laughs> but it's not really that type of film, is it? Really? No, not at all. No. But yeah, it's absolutely a wonderful film. I, yeah, really, it's I love it. Isn't yeah, it? you sort of. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and the thing is, just... it's one of those things. Even if it wasn't in South London, just any documentary of teenagers at the time would have been fascinating. If it was, if it was Liverpool, if it was Cardiff you could have captured very similar sort of attitudes, I imagine. Yeah, well, it catches... Yeah, that's the the thing, isn't it? It captures something that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it's a slice of life that, mm. you know, it was it's caught on film there, and there's probably nowhere else to see it better, is there? No. But, yeah, the South London link, though, the fact that it is South London, it hasn't... That area hasn't really changed, that whole kind of Kennet and Lane area. Yeah. Um, so you're watching it on film, and it's... You know, everything's 1958 in it. You know, the kids are most definitely from 1958. But, you know, the flats look exactly the same. And we, again, we took a little trip there. Um, and we actually went to Orford House. But I guess we'll talk about the documentary we'll about, yeah. first and then get to yeah. that. Yeah, so the first thing that strikes you, Steve, is the fashion, isn't it? Well, just the look I of... expect a decent suit for 15 guineas. <laughs> the, just the, the look of it. For the first three minutes I was watching it, I was convinced I had the wrong film. Because <laughs> we are the lab of men. Yeah, it's not... It's like, I was like, it's a youth club. Why, why are all these 30 saying <laughs> Why is that guy in a suit and yeah, a tie Yeah, 30 saying guys wandering around. Um, but then, when you take a close look, you realise that the people who have moustaches have the moustaches of boys, don't they? You know, yeah. There's one character in particular who has a sort of spivvy sort of yeah. moustache. Yeah. But it's clearly the first hair that grew on his lips that he just never clicked off, and they've just grown out as this sort of like... You know, uh, wiry little tuft. There's the occasional jumper, and because there's one, there's yeah. one bit where uh, one of the characters is being mocked uh, for his tie uh, in the library, and his response is, uh, "We haven't got a tie, son, have you? You can't afford a tie, son." <laughs> and he, he, his first instinct is to uh, immediately infantilise the person he's mocking him by calling him son repeatedly. <laughs> but he's making, he's yeah. like, oh, it's, a, "It's a good tie, son. You haven't got a tie, son." Uh, it's it's just great every minute yeah. of it. Any any time any kids are talking, uh, it's great. When they're not talking, it's because there's some skiffle music playing. That's <laughs> yeah. also brilliant. Uh, it really, and as I say, it does. As you you, you, you rightly said, you know, it's the, the 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 birth of the teenager, and I think that's talked about a lot in America, in particular, with the sort of rise of certain mm. films in the in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, Rebel Without Cause. Yeah, right? and it's it's talked about a lot in Britain, but usually. Sort of tied in very directly with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Yeah, like, which is slightly later, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Skiffle. The thing is, because the sixties were so great, right? In a lot of ways, say like the music particularly. Like it's, it'd be nice to go. You know, this is the first teenagers, but it isn't, course, is yeah, it? Yeah. It's the lame stuff from the fifties. <laughs> that... I thought I was quite enjoying the old uh, Skiffle. Yeah, it was quite good, wasn't yeah. it? There's, yeah, there's a lot of things in here that have uh, that do. I mean, obviously, it's dated. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, 50 odd years old no one's got Game Boys it's ridiculous 
But like, you know, just even things like the amount, everyone's just having the fish and chips. Figures you could have showed this in the eighties and it would have been the same in it. But just now fish and the decline of fish and chips. Remember doing a special episode on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean obviously, Although, obviously we, we won't. To be fair. Ellen's fish bar is closed, Steve, on the uh, Westmoreland Road. Is you it? know the lovely old uh, yeah. uh I say German, Germanic certainly lady. Yeah, All that's right. closed down. But yeah, cricket. Yeah. Like everyone's playing cricket. Uh, constant smoking. It's not just the fact yeah. that these people are saying they're constantly smoking, aren't they? I mean, there's a woman in it called Beryl, a girl, a 16-year-old called, yeah. called Beryl. A child My nan Beryl. is called Beryl. You know, shout out to Beryl Peckham as well, yeah? you know, of one of our regular listeners. Yeah. Irregular listeners. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting sort of seeing the life of the club, isn't it? As you say, there's, uh, we sort of see them in the cricket nets at the start and they're drawing and there's discussion groups. Um, the, the dances, you know, so you, you can sort of see the appeal of, you know, a place like that, can't you? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I grew up going to youth clubs. They were mm. what the church I went to, but like from as young as I can remember to 11, I went to Monday Monday club, Friday club and boys club on yeah. Thursday. And then as soon as I hit 11, I think it was, I went to teenage club on Tuesday and Thursday like, <laughs> until I was 20 years old, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, as Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, yeah, it was, but like... Yeah, I, d- I guess there's a lot of people these days, or even even in those days. I didn't go to youth clubs. Exactly, people yeah. don't, do they? No, and I always felt like I was in the kind of minority. And I would the idea of going to any other youth club than with the people I grew up with was just horrendous. I wouldn't <laughs> want to go to a youth club. I don't want to go to the park. What? You know, like your neighbours are like, "Why don't you go and play football over the park?" You know, because you're kicking it against them. What? Let's go to the park. Like the boys over there. <laughs> yeah, talking to my mum about this, um, she went to. Uh, a youth club, uh, you know, close by, that was associated with uh, English Mars in uh, Woolworth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she would go... To oh, Catholic, club, yeah. yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but very similar setup from what she's told me. Yeah, I guess it's the religious part. Is we had a f- uh, seven-minute, was the rule, seven-minute uh, talk at the end about, you know, salvation or whatever. But the rest of it, you just porn and stuff. Well, I, I guess it maybe not have even been that. Maybe. I was going to say, with I think we were in my mum's club, it was closer to the Orford House thing. I think it was yeah. just a purely social thing. It just yeah. happened to be in this uh, church. Well, room. I mean, if you put evan- evangelical in your church name, you've got to start preaching it. In your <laughs> the other interesting uh, social point here is the fact that, although it's a youth club, you're seeing these young people working it's a youth club and you'd imagine them after school going there but these people are going there after work they're yeah. starting their working lives and there's a wonderful scene probably my favourite scene in the whole thing overall where it just follows Beryl mate is making pies yeah. and she probably will until she's married <laughs> you follow the kids going to their various jobs until you meet the two boys that are still at school they go off to school and the school starts a day with uh, him and the him then becomes the music for this montage of the other kids doing their jobs, sort of doing their apprenticeships in sort of a dressmaker's basement or working in the post office or, you know, working on a joint in the butchers. It's great. Really, really good. Mm. Another, sort of, yeah, if you can call it famous scenes, but standout scenes uh, from a documentary is when a representative cricket team goes along to Mill Hill School to play their first eleven in a little friendly match. You see, uh, in the journey itself. How would you describe the uh, mode of transport? 
I, I would say it's like something out of MASH. It's yeah, like an, it's an, it's army, an Duke, army truck. Yeah, an army truck. It's yeah. an, uh, a pile on the back of troop deployment vehicle. Yeah. With I mean, like it's not legal cover. now, is it? No, even then, you sort of look at it. And, <laughs> and as, they, as, they climb, as it's like cornering, uh, the back of the truck sways. It, it actively moves to show I'm not properly built, I'm definitely going to collapse. And, you know, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, different attitudes and also. The, you know the, the location of the youth club in South London, how that becomes significant, and I think you really see that on the journey to Mill Hill, somewhat, but on the journey back particularly, and they do play that up in the documentary, don't they? They show the yeah. boys as they're going through Central London, uh, they're just uh, catcalling, <laughs> singing, you know, they're bellowing at policemen, um, and, and none of it's you know they don't shout at the policeman that he's handsome. They say, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a nice one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's and it's you know you don't want to be encouraging kids to be shouting at people from uh, trucks and buses because that can just be horrible. But uh, it's quite, I don't know, it's quite charming, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. Um, it's nothing malicious at all, is but, it? And even when they're sort of quite shouting at playful. women, they're just you can tell they're just terrified kids. That yeah. If they were standing on the pavement, if they, they weren't going, going at, uh, exactly. If they're definitely only going to shout at you for a second, mm. and but it was the fascinating thing they make the point on the documentary that it, the, the 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 shouting and the singing peaks as they go through Trafalgar Square and down Whitehall through the heart of London, mm. and once they cross the bridge, and they're back home. There's a line of the voiceover. He says, uh, "On this side of the river, people know these boys." Yeah. But I would say probably the voiceover is, if there is a downside to the film, and there isn't really, but the voiceover you could probably lose. Occasionally, it just borders slightly into patronising. Yeah, it's but only slightly though. Yeah. I mean, then you would expect that from the, for the time anyway. It, it's a very paternalistic tone, but as you say, mm. that was society at the time, wasn't it? I mean, for me, and and you know, anyone who follows. Uh, our Twitter feed or website or whatever. At SLHC Podcast. I, you know, I love nothing more than to find a Pafé Films clip no. that relates to anything we've talked about, particularly one that has a ludicrous voiceover. I, I, I've got so much affection yeah. for that sort of period of film and filmmaking and that sort of attitude, which is occasionally, uh, say, paternalistic and patronising, but so often, and sometimes inadvertently hilarious, but sometimes there's a real sort of charm to it. And I, I did uh, enjoy the voiceover. Here. I did. I did think it, it added something to it. I mean, obviously, you know, it's the yeah, on the balance of things, it's the worst bit because it means the kids aren't talking, and when the kids are talking, that's where the gold happens, isn't it? Yeah, we mentioned earlier Morrissey, uh, Spring Hill Jim, those uh, the sampled dialogue, and that those are probably the most memorable parts of the film, aren't they? Not just because that bit has pervaded popular culture through Morrissey, but. You know, the debate stuff, you know, finding out the attitudes of these, uh, what people's attitudes were then. Also, the way the they, they phrase things and put mm. themselves across. It's such a sort of time capsule, isn't it? You know, mm. uh, as I say, it's not just the attitudes, it is their, the way they're saying these things. If a girl wants to go dancing, she pays. <laughs> and if we go pictures, I pay. But you get the impression, like, they're just silly boys, isn't they? Of like, most of them, they're just... Yeah, uh, yeah. He's not been out for girls, he? Well, this is the thing, you know... She didn't have no money, so we didn't go dancing. <laughs> it is, it's an interesting thing about, I think, any documentary, isn't it? Where you can sort of 
you know, and it's a, a similar sort of uh, idea in quantum physics. If something is viewed, if something is looked at, if something yeah. is examined, oh, there's not, yeah, it changes. Definitely, yeah. You know, this isn't this isn't a true documentary in the sense of it documents a typical. These aren't typical days because this was the day at the youth club when the camera crew turned up. So it's not yeah. a typical day. So straight away, it's an extraordinary. And obviously, this isn't a typical discussion. This is a discussion where you know they're they're playing up to the cameras and, and you know yeah but it's interesting that's not going to change them i think it's only going to magnify it. the way i saw it is that they were acting this way and uh vo- being so vocal because they were in a room full of their peers Absolutely. and everyone's yeah, just yeah. fighting for attention you know it's like in these sort of things you're just like uh, oh i want to talk about my suit you know yeah i suppose it's a good suit for 15 guineas <laughs> yeah uh no you're absolutely right even if there isn't a camera there the fact that there's other boys, particularly, is a competition mm. thing that you want to be heard over the others. Um, but what they discuss is interesting as well. Yeah. Well, it's the South London thing, isn't it? Absolutely, Well, yeah. Croydon is uh, Bentley, and what's the other guy's name? Well, Let him have it, Chris. Yes. Chris. It's, it's Derek Bentley and Chris. Maybe Christopher Craig. Famously dramatised in the film Let Him Have It, with uh, Christopher Eccleston as uh, Derek Bentley. Very good film. I've never seen it. We'll, maybe we'll come back to it at some stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously for them, it wasn't, you know, uh, a notorious or infamous case. It was something that was, was pretty recent. It would have been, uh, you know, a, just a, a general topic of discussion among me, you'd imagine. Yeah, the case being... Um... What, uh, two guys uh, commit an uh, armed robbery, didn't they? Well, I think they were just. Uh, I think they were just trying to break into a warehouse, and they're challenged uh, and caught by the police. Um, the police grab one of them. The other one's got a gun. The younger one, notably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the younger one's got a gun. The older one uh, shouts out, "Let him have it!" At which point, the younger one shoots the police. The younger one goes, "Do you mean let him have it? Shoot him, <laughs> or do you mean give him the gun?" You're, you're being unclear. <laughs> director's cut (laughs) the policeman dies the older one who was being held at the time Mm. uh, is charged with the murder of the policeman the younger one who pulled the trigger isn't yeah and he's uh, the guy who didn't even have a gun in his hand is uh, hanged by the neck until dead yes and uh, what 40 years later is pardoned yeah yeah they realised it was probably excessive yeah it's one of the, it's just it's one of the classic. The uh, one died in the copper's arms. That bit's great in it in the Morrissey track, especially. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the things they discuss, uh, which I thought was uh, very interesting, given uh, some of the mythology that we're given about South London at this time, was uh, the ridiculously violent gang activity that sounded uh, yeah. almost commonplace, <laughs> and yet it can't be because, as everyone knows. Uh, crime was brought over by black people later on wasn't it it was imported uh, wholesale the, the fact that they talked about gang activity and crime uh, was one thing but uh, the levels I mean obviously there's exaggerations there's a bit where the guy's like uh, yeah, he's got he had like 50 of them in the park and hmm. like, did he took him back yeah well the, the, I think he says uh, he has 50 of them it was like the, like the guy's got an arm of 100 and obviously hmm. you know that's that's classic teenage exaggeration the guy's bringing down he's bringing down a mob <laughs> yeah he's bringing down, and he's not a bag loader man but um, the, again they talked uh, very openly about the weapons that were being used and the sort of levels of violence that you could reasonably expect you know, this is the thing. Violence is not a modern invention. It's no. not anything. But then you get the same guys going, you know, the boys, they want to get into the fashion as well. When I see a girl over <laughs> a fashion, they want to get into fashion as well. 
How long would you expect a good suit to last? Eight months to a year. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I said it doesn't look it looks a bit shabby. You need to buy a new suit. <laughs> uh, the great thing is now forever. You're like my uh, We Have Land Voice jukebox. I can just, I can just say a phrase <laughs> yeah. to you, and I know uh, I'm pushing by you, and you won't be able to help yourself. Uh, you'll just sort of go, 15 guineas. <laughs> I think you're looking back 25 or 26 years, and you're seeing things as they, with a degree of nostalgia, not necessarily as they were. As probably in 25 or 6 years' time, you'll look at this film and also view it with nostalgia. Yeah, one of the things that occurred to me when watching this film was, you know, I, I kept occurring to me over and over I was like they should why aren't there things like this for kids nowadays why aren't there places like this to go for kids nowadays why has the government failed to provide facilities like this for kids nowadays and I thought well you know I wonder when it, it finally closed so I googled Alford House in Canton and it's still going <laughs> <laughs> in, in the same location uh, offering more or less the same services um, you know you, you go on the website and you, you see the sports hall and you can recognise the painted on goals from the wall. It's different, it's been repainted since mm. then. But you can recognise scenes from the film in the club. And I was like, oh my God, this is... So I immediately looked for the tab that would talk about the history with yeah. the documentary and whatnot. And there wasn't one. There's, and I, I clicked through the pictures, no stills from the film, no clips from the film. And I thought, this is remarkable. There's clearly been some sort of falling out or distancing themselves from... Uh, this film, which seemed odd because you know, there's nothing that only makes the club look good. We went there. I only was interested in going really just for the all oh, that's that off the film. Yeah. But what? And what, but once we got there, we thought, oh, we'll pop in, and really, really was worthwhile, wasn't it? Well, this is the thing. As we were going there, we weren't sure how to because obviously it's a facility for uh, young people, so you don't you don't want just they don't want people just walking off the street and wandering around. No. But, you know, as you go and you have to be buzzed in. And, um, and the thing is, as well, the um, film is not re- it's not so much about the youth club, is it? It's not about it's, the functions no, actually, no, of it no, no. or the ins and outs or, like, the history. It's no. about the group of kids, and that's yeah. why you follow them to work yeah. rather than going, you know, in that, uh, whatever year it was that the Orphan House was founded. Yeah. So almost wandering around wouldn't have been that useful anyway. No, no, no. But it was useful for us to, to pop in because... Fortunately, we got to the window, and it was odd because we weren't sure how to sort of phrase it. Because, you know, we're a podcast; we don't have yeah, clout people, in the sense. People of, don't even really know what that means. No, time, no, this yeah. is it. I mean, uh, when we were talking to the guy at one point, he referred to us as being in the media, yeah, which was kind and, in a way, accurate, but in another <laughs> way, entirely inaccurate. <laughs> it was the only similar situation I can think of is uh, when Boris Johnson confuses. For BBC journalists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, when we were filming uh, something. When you say confused us, the person we were filming, uh, Diana <laughs> Superfan, John Lockery, um, did tell Boris that we were the BBC, so. I don't think he did. I no, think, I think he I said, think he something, said like, something about the BBC, and then Boris Johnson saw us with a camera and went, Your friends from the BBC here? <laughs> I was like, How can we use this? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we managed to, well, not managed to, we, we rang at the window and. Uh, yeah, I basically expect us to be turned away. They've got a, a, a youth club to be running. They don't need to be talking Well, you expect to... someone, whoever's sitting at the desk, is going to go, um, nah. nah. You know, they're not going to know anything about it. Nah. And you take a couple of leaflets and go. Yeah. And, you know, they're not going to let us in because that's to control the environment. All, all these things we're expecting. And instead, we got way through and we got to the office door. And it was interesting. 
this, I think it's just something about the structure of a building like that and the office. We got to the office door and we were like vampires. We didn't want to cross the thing. We sort of like, yeah. we, both, we both sort of hung on the... the well, it's the, like a security office, isn't it? Yeah. Someone in there trying to fix a photocopier. Yeah. <laughs> you're very aware that you could be in their way. I mean, they're this about to the buzz thing. you through a door. Yeah. We, we don't want to be... I mean, we're both CRB checks, Steve, aren't we? But... <laughs> Some more than others. Um... <laughs> So we uh, started to talk to this guy and explain the situation. He was like, come in, sit down. Sit down. Yeah, actually, and then we came in and then we just stood in front of him. And started He's like, grab a couple of chairs. Yeah. Uh, and he, he couldn't have been nice, could he? He couldn't no. have been more welcoming. Um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and we just explained the situation, which was uh, we'd watched this documentary, found out the place that existed, checked the website, but couldn't see uh, any mention of the film. You know, was he aware of it? And he was very aware of the film, obviously. Um, and he was more than happy yeah, to talk. more even more than we could possibly imagine. Oh, so, yeah. uh, so helpful. So but, yeah, I mean, he cleared up about the uh, fact that the website is was created by someone some time ago. And has never, you know... Well, it's also edited, someone... It, it, was, it was an agency not directly associated to the club. So they've obviously yeah. taken material from the club or done their own research and just made a decision themselves not to mention it. And he said he's tried to put... Uh, links up and whatnot, but the way it's coded, yeah, exactly, it's yeah. done in such a way that if you try and add anything to it or take anything from it, it just crashes the whole site. A bit like so, when you try and put things on southlondonhardcore.com. A lot like when, uh... yeah, Tim, his name is. He's the kind of current. Um, uh, you, he said that he's not called awarded anymore. No, he's the youth club manager. Yeah, and yeah. his dad uh, was his predecessor. Yeah, and his dad started just after, or just at the end of the filming. Yeah, so his he's dad not, was I aware of the filming. I don't think like, he's in the show, but obviously the kids were still going there. Yeah, yeah. I guess this is in about fifty-seven, probably if the film came out in fifty-eight. Yeah. Um, but he himself had been part of the youth club for you know several years. Yeah, had attended as a, a, a kid, obviously, and uh, I guess it would have been an, an obvious transition to where well, he's grown up to. You know, it's twelve to twenty-one is the yeah. uh, the age and range. Twenty-two, you start working there. Yeah, twenty-two. He, you know, it's, it's a natural thing. His dad's going. You know, I've got these bottles of Fanta to get down there. Can you grab? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grab one, you know. It's a natural thing to do. But yeah, he had some great stuff for us, didn't he? I mean, he was very knowledgeable about the film. Um, is people come in not all the time no. but I mean people regularly come in you know they got a fire he pulled open a filing cabinet and there was like a file in there full of yeah, stuff yeah he just he pulled out this file that had just yeah but like it was you can go into these places and you feel like you're going to educate them like on like oh you know that uh, you know that Orphan House is in the background of uh, Passport to Pimlico didn't you yeah I know that <laughs> okay <laughs> 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 right, thanks <laughs> but he wasn't aware of the Morrissey connection which was nice yeah, it was nice to sort of give something back, and uh, it was a lovely moment where we explained that Morrissey had sampled uh, some of the dialogue from the film for a track on Vox and I, and uh, he wrote down all the information. He looked up and went, "I've got a Morrissey on my own. Might be on it. I haven't listened to it." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we were sort of like really hoping it was Vox because uh, you know if it you're buying a gift, if I was buying um, a, 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 a Morrissey album for someone who works at Orford House, <laughs> I'd go get on Vox and I because there's a bit from that film. They'll love it. This all depends on not all to of it. the rumours. Now, there's some people, Steve, that only tune in for uh, my Morrissey. So, <laughs> I never said. Yeah, the facilities are a bit different now. Um, they still do the art classes yeah, and squat yeah. but recording studios. Yeah, and that's he, had a a great, sort of... he had a great anecdote about um, when the recording studios first went in and there were uh, sort of decks put in in the 80s. And like you know, more and more people were turning up on the night they were uh, you know using one of the 
kind of closed off rooms and essentially just having a party. There's like <laughs> blokes in their 30s turning up like in a, a van full of people going like, yeah. I'm, like I'm here for the party. Well, uh, the way he phrased it when uh, I heard there's a blues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's a youth club. Yeah, that's a nickname. playing some records in a, a sports or in a youth club. It's very different. Um, he was also uh, very open about it. It was, it was interesting as well to talk to someone in that position about attitudes towards youth yeah. in South London across the years, uh, where he made it very clear. As And, you know, this is the thing. People might argue about our own uh, personal views on things that are informed by just different media outlets, them or whatever, and different you know ideas. Uh, this is a guy who, for pretty much his whole life, has been immersed in a youth club in South London. And, he, you know, he was saying it's always overplayed, Mm. sort of the role of violence uh, in your group. and if anything it's got better over the last yeah. few years yeah it was talking about mods and rockers yeah know, which is always well, you know bike chains and flip knives yeah he says uh, I don't know if you wanted us to mention this but about someone once coming and hitting someone over the head with a hammer yeah and that was, many that was many not years recently. ago yeah, people yeah. don't use hammers anymore do they <laughs> Melvin Bragg uh, recently had a show called I think it was called Real History R-W-L History something along those lines um, in which he met up with the Lambeth Boys again. This is a clip I stumbled upon, uh, stumbled across online. So 52 years on, he's standing, I think he was in Soho Square for some bizarre reason, but um, talking to the big lanky one who looks like our mate Jim Cherry. <laughs> um, the one who would like a nice suit for 15 guineas and uh, two of the others. And they're just so old, obviously. Yeah. They're like, uh, how old would they be? They're born in what, They'd 1940s? Be hit in, hit in the 70s, wouldn't they? Yeah, they're all like septogenarians. Septo? Stepto. Stepto denarius. Dirty old man. You're dirty old man. That's not bad, is it? Harold. It's alright. It's not bad. It's not as good as your. Uh, <laughs> and they say as... he's. <laughs> uh, he looks a queer. <laughs> But yeah, just they were, and it was a great clip. I was like, Steve, there's this two and a half minute clip of. They caught up with the Lambeth boys and they did two and a half minutes. And then uh, that's when you revealed that. In 1985, the BBC recorded a feature length documentary hour long called We Were the Lambeth Boys, where they found a lot, most of. All of them by looking yeah, at them. Yeah. yeah, pretty much everyone who certainly speaks um, during the recording of the original film. And uh, got them back together at the youth club to watch the film, which is great because the bit where uh, the boy in the school starts singing a hymn, they just turn into kids again, don't they? <laughs> they just go, give us a song! Yeah. Give us a song! Look at him! It's great. Really good. Um, and yeah, just you sort of see how their lives are panned out, what their attitudes yeah. are like, you know. Because that's kind of fine, isn't it? You don't need to see them 25 uh, more years on from that, do you? No, no. Like, that will do, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Um, what was interesting in that though that I didn't really pick up on in the first one is the kind of Lambeth element of it like the first one you know just like these are teenagers from London kind of you know working class uh, there's not they're not exactly poor are they you know they're no, no. sort of doing fine um, but then when they really play up this kind of oh I did alright for a Lambeth boy and stuff there's a real kind of emphasis on it's like um me and my girl, you know, the Lambeth Walk, where yeah, it just yeah. like it, be, it be suddenly becomes this thing where they're like Bill, yeah, that where you know the fact that they did anything other than went to prison was uh, <laughs> a crowning achievement, yeah. yeah. Which I don't know how uh, 
Although one Actually, of them, well, that is really one of them went. To one prison. of them did go to prison. <laughs> but it does. Do you know what I mean? It did seem. Um, it seemed almost overplayed. Well, it was um, obviously by the time they get around to doing this, it's the eighties. Yeah. And I think at that point, you really are. You know, there is. It, it's you know, around the time of sort of fools and horses, and it is an idea that you've got to be a chancer. To, to work your way out of South London, the idea of yeah. sort of working your way naturally and normally out of working class roots in South London would seem, and particularly, you know, as I say, it's, it's made very clear in the film. Only two of two of the, the boys that they covered uh, were at school at the time. I think only one of them left with qualifications and did well for himself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but in those days, Steve. Yeah, obviously, was... and that's the point they make. You know, the idea was you didn't need you went out and you found a job. And it was pretty easy to find work, almost, and from the sound of things, almost too easy. They, they, their attitude to work became one of you know, there's always another job out there. Yeah, well, so that's you a big kind of between. Uh, yeah, and this is in the kind of high point of un- unemployment, isn't it? This is it. When you're talking uh, yeah, about the remake, yeah, when they revisit in the '80s, it is. It's uh, you know, Britain is. It's interesting because one of them is asked, you know, is Britain better now? London better now than it was in the 50s and the guy says oh, it has to be doesn't it because you know we've had these advances in medicine and science and society's moved on in certain ways but then you know you realise it's the same as anything some things are better some things are worse on balance we're about the same as where we were you know the, the job market isn't what it was but socially yeah attitudes are more advanced mm. although you know, yeah. not, not for all of them. No, of them, I mean, some of them do grow up to be racists. One of them in particular. Yeah, there's... It's um, such a casually... And it, it's it is, it is it, quite it, horrible. It's, it really it's jars, It's man. important to remember how far away 1985 is as well now. You know, it's not quite as far away as, as 51 yeah, was for them. But, I know what you mean, yeah. you know, it's not... What are they in their 40s then? In, uh, they like, are mid-40s, aren't they? It's nation, I think it's a, a society thing. You, you know, we're no, talking... but, well, it's both, isn't it? Because if you're in your mid-40s in 1985, it's different to being Absolutely, 15 yeah, in right, 1985. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. But also, you know, this is, um, you know, re- again, referring back to previous shows, this is a time when Jim Davidson, you know, has TV shows, isn't it? He's, uh, you know, seen as, as a, a popular light entertainer as opposed to uh, a racist. So, you know, there are certain words and phrases... Yeah, that well, do come out a little easier than they would now. Yeah, they, there's a kind of a big thing. I mean, Thatcherism is that is uh, you know oh, the key There's one guy at one point says, you know, I've always voted for Labour and I've voted for Conservative this time, you know, to get the woman in charge, and like I made a massive mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a lot of talk about um, you know foreigners coming and taking the jobs. Yeah, you know, which is kind of you know it's. We've heard it all before. Yeah. But then one of them just goes into this kind of talk about how many more black people there are and even just so casually just uses the N-word on the screen. It's at school. Yeah, it's at school. It's like, yeah, yeah, when we started off at school, it was like like three of them. By the end of it, it was mostly. Yeah, and he uses the N-word on television. But like, and, I, I mean, I know, I know that it's not um, like he's not been interviewed on the news. Set no, no, no. Even though yeah. there's a camera crew standing there, it's yeah. like I'll just say the N word. That'd be and, fine. And it's quite. It's not uh, a thing where he's even, you know, dropping a particular venom or malice to make a point. It's just the, it's the casual nature that he uses it with. Yeah, so there's a lot. Telling, there's a, just a lot of conservatism. Yeah, absolutely. Like because prior to that, the scene before that, the tall, lanky guy who. Um, becomes very successful as a director at Leighton Orient Football Club. Yeah. You know, he obviously for 15, his 15 guineas went a long way. <laughs> but um, he owns 50 shops, 50 plus shops at that point. Yeah. But he's sitting there saying that um, 
people are getting too much money on the doll. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you, like you're a bit appalled with him at that point, yeah. aren't you? Like, you know, he's kind of, he's made a load of money and he's just on, you know, with them. I'm all right, Jack, like a leather. Exactly. Yeah, that's the, the But then when it comes to this bit about the foreigners taking the jobs, he just goes completely on the other side. He's yeah. the only one who's the voice of reason going, he's saying we're a nation of immigrants. It, a, it's not true. And B, we're all immigrants. Yeah. Also, well, I don't know, you could argue... Um, uh, out of everyone in that room, he's the one that most wants uh, a lower-paid workforce. If you haven't seen We Are the Lamb of Boys, you ha- you have to. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's on YouTube. In, like, so uh, we're talking as if you have seen it. And, yeah, you know, deal with it. Um, <laughs> like Beryl, Steve, nice bit of uh, you know the way her career path has gone. Yeah, uh, she's a dinner lady now. Well, now you say. Oh, in, sorry, yeah, in the mid eighties she was. Yeah, you know, she goes from making pies to... And she'll probably do this until she gets married. And she'll become a dinner lady. And the guy from the... uh, He goes to work in the post office in We Are the Lamb of Boys. And then he's been there ever since. And according to uh, Tim at Orphan House, I think he said he was still there, or certainly was recently. Yeah. yeah. And that was a guy who, when he came out in We Are the Lamb of Boys, I thought, oh, I recognise him. Not from We Are the Lamb of Boys, but from... Life in general. Yeah, yeah. and I've, I've picked up parcels from that office. That was a little bit... Well, also, it's not, you know, unreasonable that you could have walked past them in an elephant castle shopping centre. Yeah, these are all local people, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, they're people who literally live yeah, just like, like road from two them. miles from where, where we grew up. Yeah, yeah. There is a, quite a tragic bit in it, though, in there, man. It was really... Uh... Yeah, there's a horrible bit. Because, I mean, they throughout, we're, we were the Lambeth Boys. They cut from the original film to this uh, new documentary... And there's uh, they, the famous scene where they're talking about capital punishment. Then it's cuts to the guy. To, I mean, there's a load of bits where they cut to them talking about their they're showing their actors now. But it cuts to uh, one guy who's the scene you're seeing before. He's just he seems to have given up on life. Yeah. And then yeah. you get some context for that when it cuts to like a Daily Star cover of his daughter who was murdered. Yeah. And then he's now talking about capital punishment, having you know live lived. You know, with a with a daughter being murdered and watching someone go to prison for it. Yeah, it really is a horrible scene. Isn't it? But even with you know, they obviously very deliberately uh, yeah. asked them to discuss capital punishment again, just to echo the earlier mm. thing. Um, he's thought, not in that room, is he? Or is no, he? he's not. No, he's not. No. They, they just follow imagine, him around. But you'd well, you'd imagine that would be for the sake of sensitivity, isn't it? But yeah, when they are discussing uh, capital punishment, I thought there was one very telling moment where. Um, one of them was talking. I think it's the same guy who's very openly racist. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, um, you look at these Irish Republicans. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. the only, you know, we're at war. The only way to stop yeah. these people is to hang them by the neck. So, and that's what I'd do. If I was in charge, anyone who goes yeah. up uh, on those charges, I'd kill them all. I'd kill them all. And he's very, uh, and I was like, can we do a follow-up documentary yeah. where we tell him about the Birmingham Six? <laughs> we make him watch In the Name of the Father yeah. and then he tells us again how he'd kill all these people that are accused yeah, by uh, the police who are right definitely fighting. He is. I mean, that's unfortunate in the sense of nobody knew at that point that the police were inherently corrupt and definitely... Uh, <laughs> well, people could have worked that out. Well, you know, in that particular situation, no one oh, knew, no one knew yeah. particularly uh, with no, of course, yeah. specific cases uh, of charges of uh, terrorism against Irish nationals that the police were conspiring to basically just close cases so that they could uh, look like they were solving crimes, whereas in fact they were just incarcerating people whose faces fitted. Um, but, you know, his attitude... As, as, and, and that's the thing, if it was just that scene, you go... 
you know, history has done you no favours there. But when you see it in the context of his earlier scene, where mm. he's like, and now the school's full of, you're like, right, well, you're, you're a scumbag. So yeah. you, you, you clearly, of course you'd be in favour of death penalty. He, in fact, he'd probably watch the name of the father and go, but if they died, you know, <laughs> it, it, you know that's the price you pay in it. You know, the price, mm. the price of freedom is not eternal vigilance, as it turns out, it's a few Irishmen. That's, that's, and that's fine, he's fine with that. At the same time, uh, they, as well as uh, catching up with the original Lambeth Boys, they made another documentary about the kids currently going to Orford House. I say currently, you know, in the mid-80s. So these are people that were probably born in 1970, 1969, yeah. that, that, that kind of time. Uh, immediately cuts, cuts to a black kid, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a kind of... It's quite a striking uh, change, in it? Where, yeah. Like, mo- I don't know, 60% of the kids are black, say? Obviously, yeah. Or the ones they follow, anyway, yeah. yeah. It's interesting as well, because uh, the most prominent um, female character is from an immigrant family as well. Is she? Yeah, the family's uh, probably Italian, I would guess, if not... Oh, uh, yeah, there's a bit where... Certainly Mediterranean. The volume wasn't particularly high. I couldn't work out what the woman was saying. Okay. But, yeah, she... So, it's it's not just the case of... uh, yeah, there are black kids here now. It is immigration as mm. a whole. It is the fact that people are moving here. And, you know, South London, yeah, we've talked about it before. Uh, loads of Italians, you know. You look at uh, East Street Market, you know, Mari's and Ruffo's on its own. Um, yeah. This is at the same time, Steve, as Seven Up, is it, when people were just... Yeah, there, right? was, there, there was a sort of uh, a pattern in documentaries. And also, it's just the idea of, uh, I think, in a lot of, of t- television, it's not necessarily children's development... There was a thing of we'll go back and see how these people are getting on. Mm. You know, is uh, you know. Yeah, so it's fascinating, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Where the guy who made it is it Rob Rora. He's basically the brief was making exactly the same documentary, and like they so much so that they're watching clips from the film and, and yeah. discussing you know whether you should pay for a girl to go. You know, she he wants to go dancing. <laughs> she pays. <laughs> um. And yeah, I mean that's where you see the similarities. I mean they're wearing uh, the clothes they're wearing. There are they are very eighties, right? And yeah. obviously, Steve, things you dress quite eighties anyway, don't you? <laughs> I dress like I'm in my eighties. <laughs> but it is a lot closer to what we what the clothes we wear now, isn't it? I mean, you're saying, like, you're saying that, but that guy had more similar jumpers to you than anyone, didn't he? So, <laughs> yeah, there was, it opens with a kid wearing a Lionel Scott jumper, yeah. of which I've got a couple. So, but it's a bit more timeless, isn't it, than? Uh, Sergio, which I thought was Sergio Tacchini, but I guess it's Tacchini. Yeah, yeah. You'll only wear... Although people uh, used to say Nestles in those days, didn't they? When they, <laughs> when they meant Nestle. <laughs> so yeah, he, um, I mean, the guy didn't go on to make Saturday Night, Sunday Morning. He went on to make like Hollyoaks, Emmerdale, Corrie <laughs> and Brookie. Right. But saying that, I, th- I think he does a fine job. I think it looks great. Yeah. Um, the guy at Orford House, Tim, was, wasn't particularly keen on it. But I think it's different if, if you lived it. Absolutely. Like, if you have a perception, it's where you know it, you know the kids, um, you kind of know the era. The cutaway stuff of, like, you know, kids on BMXs and yeah, ghetto yeah. blasters and doing breakdancing on that kind of uh, te- 1980s television stock, just, it's just There tremendous. is also, there's a bit which you just don't see enough of in anything, of someone on a BMX doing a jump Oh, off like a ramp, wasn't it? Yeah. But it's like the world's tight, and we like yeah. we all. I built that ramp. You, mm. Everyone built that ramp, and you're like, you know, it's rubbish. What's the point? But it was great at the same time. It was, you know, uh, that was what you did. So yeah, for me, I mean, obviously, uh, the the age difference between us we've talked about before. When this was made, I was ten years old. So while I don't, you know, remember everything that they talk about, 
it was more recognisable for me certainly in terms of yeah. clothing and attitude as well. Just the feel of that's what that's what my childhood felt like. It was very sort of yeah, sort I can of, see that. Yeah, right. definitely. Oh, but also, uh, having said that, you know there were certain things that eluded me. The, the references to drape scene. Yeah. Which is a wonderful word in the, in of itself as a word. Do you know what I mean? Just a horrible word. A horrible word. Snatching chains. Yeah, just uh, dragging chains off people's necks. But yeah, there's a lot of 80s uh, kind of issues, if you like, uh, that come up in it. You know, police brutality yeah. against uh, black youths. Yeah. And, uh, and it's so like uh, Thatcher, there's a great line where the, uh, the girl goes, if I had a gun, I'd shoot her. <laughs> like you say, they're very articulate, some of them, aren't they? The girl I mean, that is... sounds so patronising. No, no, no. But it's, what I mean by that is that they, uh, let me rephrase it, that they articulate certain things, yeah. that, um, certain reasons for doing things. They make points uh, very well, and uh, they make strong points and good points. Well. Like I was watching, which I think we should come back to at some point, Steve, Ross Kemp on South London Gangs. We'll, right? we'll definitely cover that. <laughs> because... But it's... But there's a bit where he's interviewing these kids. He interviewed two group of kids. They both said the same thing. Like he goes, like, "Where are these guns coming from?" And government, in it, they both say the same thing. Yeah, like, yeah. which is just, what do you mean, government? What? <laughs> like, what does that mean? What department? You know? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm taking my taxes back. This is the thing, isn't yeah, it? We are talking yeah, about yeah. I mean, and it, that's that the, you don't, don't wanna, understand how I know, it's works. difficult, isn't it? I don't because obviously, I mean, I presume people are more inte- people get more intelligent as the years go by on on average. You know what I mean? Like, say, like with I know with people, people get more informed or have more information. Yeah, that's them, yeah, that's probably do more they, accurate, isn't it? Do they do they process the information? You know, no, I guess I guess it's it's, probably... it's a difference. You know, uh, it's always an important distinction to make between data and information. You know, you can be given data, yeah, but is it informing you? Mm. And these, you know, today more than ever, you know, children, adults, everyone, we're just surrounded by data. You know, the other mistake I've made, Steve. I've compared a group of uh, 1985 kids who are just kids going to a youth club yeah. to some to a group of kids who are in a criminal gang, <laughs> yeah. or some kids that have been looting. So yeah. that's I the mean that, that's the thing. I'd, I, I, Take the equivalent I'd, of Orphan I'd, House now; it'd probably be the same. Exactly. Yeah. I'd like to think that the kids who uh, are spending their evenings uh, at a youth club, engaged in uh, non-violent, wholesome activities are going to be more well-rounded and more and better informed than kids that aren't. So, you know... Maybe I've just made a great argument for Orphan House. Get yeah. your kids down and De- send them down. Definitely. All right, Joe and Anna, the boys, come on, Joe. Yes. <laughs> we are the never boys. We are the never boys. We are the manners. We spend our tatters. We are expected wherever we go. As we're riding down a Lambeth walk. Oh, the wind is over wide. And what do you consider a good price for a suit? About 15 guineas. You do. For that, you expect something pretty. I want a good suit. You want a good suit. And how long do you expect that to last you? Well, about eight months to a year. Well, after eight months to a year, it, it doesn't look smart anymore, so you've got to buy a new one. I'd say that, I'd say to Margaret, I'd tell her now, I'd say, OK, if you want to go dancing, you pay. Oh, but if oh, I want to no. go have pictures, I'd pay like that. Hey, like this Sunday, she wanted to go dancing, not me. She didn't have no money, so we didn't go. <laughs> we went to pictures. 